Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hello and welcome to XYZ, the podcast for CNC, machining, automation, space, and uh, general tomfoolery. How are you, Craig? I'm good. I'm really good. Really happy. It's it's a yeah. It's a good week. Very good week. Oh, that's good. What made it so good? Uh, I don't know. I've got out of the funk that I've been in for the last few weeks, um, mm. and things are going well here in the shop. I'm piling through a bunch of orders, which is which is really nice. Um, news on the sort of new house is is things are moving quickly there as well and for the first time i'd say in probably a year i feel 100 percent. oh that's good I, I think this holds you know in and out of lockdown all the rest of it it's just been you know playing on everybody not you know not just myself but um, yep. i haven't been myself for a long time and um yeah i'm feeling i'm just feeling really positive and chipper so that's good. It's, it's all good what about yourself Oh, a little bit the opposite. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So we, as you know, we got a puppy um, what, at, at end of January. Yes. And yeah. oh my God, it's just so much work. <laughs> so my girlfriend's doing um, her master's of teaching right now. And uh, she, so she's tutoring, she's doing schoolwork, and she's actually teaching like online classes at, at the same, like wow. all at once. Yeah. So, um, I volunteered to do extra puppy work and, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'm not really a morning person, but at, right now I'm up at like seven every day for the first walk and then, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just a bit much. Well, not to make you feel any worse, we've got mm. a 16 year old Jack Russell and things Aww. don't get easier. This thing. He no longer brings joy to us, we discovered the other day. Oh, no. <laughs> He's just a constant pain of pissing and shitting and barking and, oh, yeah, it do- it doesn't get easier. <laughs> well, and you've got twins. You've got twins yeah. as well. Like, I, honestly, I don't know how parents do it. I, I would be one of those people you see on the news. <laughs> That's why I don't have kids. Man, man leaves family and moves to another country. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, the thought has come to my mind a few times, but no. Yeah, it, and every it does with every parent. But the parents that it. say it hasn't, they're lying. <laughs> Work-wise, what's been going on? Uh, well, guess what, Craig? I got a lathe. I did see, and it looks it looks a cracker as well. Yeah, it looks good. It's. I mean, it's had a little bit of a hard life in some ways because it came out of a high school. So, um, you know, kids have run it into the chuck and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. But it doesn't look like it's actually had much use, which means, you know, the, the bits that need to be accurate are still accurate. Yeah. Hopefully. It looks Fingers crossed. very much like, and you did mention when last week, the, the Colchester lathe looks mm-hmm. very much like them that we had in school. We had Colchester lathes over here. Right. And um, yeah, it looks very, very similar. And yeah, everybody just using that power feed and going into the chuck. And... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. I'm actually I started pulling it apart yesterday. Um, it needs a little bit of work. It needs some work just for for common sense, and then it mm. needs some iron work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To make it better than new, I assume. Yeah, exactly. You could eat your dinner off it. Okay, that's yeah. fair enough. That's fair enough. Plus, the the motor on it is shot. It's like, it works, but it sounds like someone's dumped a a barrel of gravel in there. Oh, you know? like yeah. yeah. So that's fine. Is, would that be three phase as well then? It is, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I tested it by hooking it up to the variable frequency drive that I use for my grinder, mm-hmm. and running it. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Ah. Um. But that's fine. Like the older motors like that are actually not rated for use with a variable frequency drive a lot of the time they will work but the Mm. insulation wasn't the insulation on the windings and the motor was not 
spec'd for oh, okay. use with a variable frequency drive. Right. So you, sometimes they can be fine forever. Sometimes not so much. So I, I was thinking about replacing it, and now I just will. So that's fine. Yeah. I only mentioned three phase because the new house that we built, we had the electricity Ooh. turned on the other day. And um, the way it works over here in France is they're responsible for coming into the house, um, and then right. anything else is obviously up to you. So so they turned it on, so I then bought a new distribution box, and I'm sort of okay with electrics. So, you know, I could put the distribution right. box in, and I can do stuff kind of thing. Um, went and then realized, oh, they've turned it on, and they've kept it as three-phase. A lot of the old sort of um, mm. farmhouses and big <clears throat> barns, that kind of thing around here, were, were a three-phase, and a lot of them, they just haven't converted. Um, so, yeah, so we needed them to come back. Um, but oh, I was no, thinking no, maybe. No. I was thinking Don't. maybe keep three phase in the shop, but I mean yes. we run two forty here. We're not we're not like you know one ten wimps like you guys anyway. So I think. But no, all just... of the big machinery that you want to get in the future will be three eventually. Phase. <laughs> yeah, dude. But like you, you'll pay so much money to get it put back in. Keep it. Uh, I I know. We we've already made the decision. It's that they're, they're, they're pulling it out and and um, sticking single phase in. Oh, I've got to disagree with you on this one, you big dummy. That, that's uh, well, a, bad... a lot of it is stand-in charges as well. So you pay a lot of stand-in charges here in France. So electricity isn't mm. that expensive, but your stand-in charge is. And the stand-in charge for three-phase is is a lot more than single-phase. And by um, standing charge, you mean like monthly fees for connection? Exactly, and just for having yeah. their service, yeah. So not, not by how much you consume, but literally just for having a connection with them. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, financially, it made a lot of sense. Just Just get rid of it, unfortunately. Bloody hell, mate. There are people that would kill to be in your position. Yeah, I mean... Like, I, I had to pay so much money to get three-phase into my current shop. Yeah. Oh. oh. I, it was one of those things where I was there, and I'm... You know, I had the new distribution board in my hand, and you, you know when you go to do a job, and you're, you're quite excited, you got everything you need, you're like, yeah. okay. This, then, then I discovered that, and I was just like, oh, shit. And I was thinking, well, should I just put one phase on? <laughs> and leave leave the other two just hanging and i was like no nah, i better not better not so we made the call and they, yeah they're changing it back uh, <sighs> yeah not good in other electrical news this week mm -hmm. um my laser went bang actually it went bang bang oh no twice very quickly and smelt of smoke the whole you know the usual sort of burning smell of of electrics did it actually make a bang noise twice yes mm, in very fast succession um have you had a look inside to see what's going on? I have, and I'm very lucky. It's the power supply. Um, oh. So it hasn't affected the, the main laser. And the main laser has it, its own sort of huge, it looks like a huge power supply. Right. Um, it probably is. Um, but there's the, you know, the standards, almost like a PC power supply inside. And it was one with, with um, three supplies on it. So 24 volt, 12 volt, and 5 volt. And yeah, it went bang twice. And... Yeah. Yeah, so I've got a new um, power supply on its way, and we're hoping that's the only damage that it did. Mm. Um, but we think so. We think so. And did you buy it, a good, once again, good power supply, like a, a Meanwell or something? Um, it's just a generic sort of Chinese power supply. I don't know what oh, it is. Bye. Yeah, so they're, they're actually sending me... T <laughs> this is how confident they are, the Chinese manufacturers. They're sending oh. me two. <laughs> oh, okay. They're, they're sending you warranty parts. Gotcha. Yeah, but uh, to be, I can't complain about that. I've said this before, things have gone wrong with the machine, but every time they're just on it. And, you know, with the, with the time difference that we have, it's generally sort of two or three in the morning when I'm contacting them. And immediately, right. it's we, it's all over WhatsApp, <laughs> their support. And um, they're just like, we're going to take care of it. We're going to send through two to you immediately. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't complain, but it's, it's just one of those things. Just like I'm in the middle of a job where I need the laser. Yeah, um, and yeah. It, and weirdly, it's not a job for me. It's a job for another knife maker. I'm doing, I'm doing a little favor, and it of went course. bang. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. And he needs it next week for something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So I'm doing the whole ghosting thing at the moment, you know, just, you know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, I stole your knives. You'll never hear from me again. Oh, not knives. Not No, these are little brass plates that he wants for some sort of package. I'm not sure what it's for. Mm. But, yeah. but anyway. Oh, so... I didn't even think about it. What's the largest area that you can engrave on your laser? Um... 300 mil by 300 mil oh wow you can go big okay yes yeah i mean i mean what you you get different lenses on the top of the yeah, the, right. the laser and um they'll change the sort of focal width as you would with a camera i suppose yeah um but the the wider you make the focal range the the less power of the of the of the laser 
Right. So I could actually get a a, a, a lens which would give me much much wider area to to mark. Um, right. But yeah, it does reduce power quite significantly. I think. Well, because a lot of the fiber laser markers that I've seen, their marking area is only like four inches by four inches. Or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they're generally the again the lower powered sort of twenty thirty watt ones. Right. Um. Uh, yeah. I intentionally went for the fifty watt. I mean, a twenty watt would do what I need. It would mark steel more than right. more than well enough. Um. But yeah, I've gone with a fifty. It will give me that larger sort of area to play with. Well, I might have to. I've I've got a little job for you then, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, once you get your laser back up and running. One of the things that I want to do for the lathe is um all of the plates that have like information for like the gearbox and, and that kind of stuff. Mm. I've all been smashed a million times by by kids, you know. So right, like they're, yes, they're legible yeah. but like the edges are a bit smushed and stuff, so I was gonna replace yes, yeah. them. And a really nice way to do that is to uh laser etch like a piece of brass or aluminum. A brass and then plate, you yeah. fill yeah, you fill the low spots with paint and polish the the top oh yes yeah so oh. but i don't have a laser well, i can do. certainly well hopefully i can certainly help with that in in four to six weeks when the post comes <laughs> oh geez four to six weeks for the replacement parts yeah it's a real real pain man um, honestly like so uh i'm trying to think of the electronic supplier that you would use in europe i think it's like rs components rs components they're yeah they're, yeah. they're in the uk yes okay so go to rs components Look for Meanwell, you know, filtered by the voltages and the amperages that you need, and you'll have a replacement power supply in like two days, and it'll be something that won't blow up. Okay, but that could well be eight hundred pounds. No, no, no. <laughs> a, a little power supply like that, it, it, you know, like you'd probably be paying like less than a hundred US dollars for it. Oh right, okay. I shall have a look. I, I didn't yeah. even think to look there. I went straight to Amazon, which is my right. shopper of choice, being stuck in the middle of nowhere here. And um, yeah, didn't even think of that. But yeah, yeah I don't know if you guys have DigiKey in in Europe, but so in North America, if you're looking for electronic components, DigiKey is the place. So they're right. like, you know, if if I want like a power supply, I'll get it tomorrow for oh, eight dollars right, okay. shipping, and um, you know, they have like a, a search tool that'll just let me say like, okay, I want like 110 volt input, I want 12 volt out at 50 amps, and then it'll just give me like all the options. Oh right, okay, okay, yeah. cool. I shall, I shall certainly do that as soon as we get off the, uh, off the line. Oh yeah, you um, don't want to wait six weeks to be back I, up and running. That's brutal. I know, I know, it's the worst. But, uh, but again, it's one of those warranted parts. Um, but I know it'll probably bang again. But I know it'll always be warranted. Whereas if I put my own in, maybe not so. But well, yeah, I mean, so the thing you have to worry about is that, like, next time it goes bang, it might take something else with it. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, personally, I'd be. I'd be tending toward the up, little upgrade there. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else have I been doing apart from blowing electrical stuff up? Um, <laughs> I, I I told you about the bar that we're having in the new house, didn't I? No. Ah, ah, okay. So I, I've always sort of brewed beer, and um, it's right. just like a, a hobby, and I've got like a like a tap here in my in my shop. So on a Friday afternoon, I can draw a beer and all that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but we've got loads of barns with the new house, and one of the right. barns we did uh, for my wife to have a, her studio, her office was going to be in, in this barn. Um, but it's sort of connected to the house. Not directly. You need to get out the house and round, but the actual the walls are connected. It's, um, so she was like, oh, well, actually, I'd prefer to be sort of away from the house. You know, which makes sense if you're working, you know. And it actually, that wall actually backs onto what will be my workshop as well. So there could be a bit of noise, sort <laughs> right. of leakage in. Right. So we decided, so she's going to have a, like a cabin built in the in, in the sort of grounds there. And, and I'm going to have the barn now as a pub, which is like the coolest thing ever for me. I'm really In pleased. the grounds. There's going to be a, a cabin in the grounds. Look, listen uh, to you. Uh, Living uh, your best uh, life over there, buddy. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, believe me. A lot. <laughs> But anyway, so I've gone down this whole rabbit hole of, um, you know, having not just like a shitty little bar, but have it, actually having it as a pub, you know, with multiple taps and all the rest right. of it. Um, like open to the public kind of thing? or Well, yeah, we wouldn't be licensed, so it would be... <laughs> Speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. Moon, Craig's Moonshine would yeah, be right. served. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so I've been thinking of, of ways to do this. And, you know, at the moment, I, you know, I run CO2 bottles and I've got kegs and all that. And that's what I do anyway. 
um, but I was thinking, how could I expand upon this? And what what they sell in France, they sell um, pre... Uh, they're not pre-carbonated, actually. They're, they're kegs, but mm-hmm. they've got a CO2 canister in there with uh, basically with carbon in there. And as as you drink the keg, it releases more CO2. So it's right. it's sort of self-carbonating as as you're as you're drinking it. And these are dirt dirt cheap over here in France. Oh, so I'm thinking, well, it's you know it's nice to brew my own beer, but it, it it takes a long time. And you know if I always want fresh stuff on tap, I don't want to be brewing every week. Um, so I thought, well, how could I use these kegs with my current setup? So I designed and 3D printed a, a sort of cap for the, for these kegs, um, which will allow me to put my own CO2 in and, um, and and pour beer from a tap. So these will literally be in a fridge under the bar with pipes coming up straight to the tap, so on tap. Um, and you get really good beer really really cheap um so i'm really pleased that it worked and this is the biggest sort of 3d print that i've that i've done actually it only mm. just fit on the bed of the uh of the prusa mini so i think it's it's about six inches in circumference this circle that fits on top of the keg right. and maybe about five inches high and it's virtually solid so this was like a 18 hour print right. um is this, out- i guess that part would be under pressure too right no so it's not under pressure um so um the way these kegs work they have a sort of tap already fitted to them on the top so what this does it sort of holds that tap down um whilst allowing me to put in my own stuff so there's no actual pressure on the on the 3d print um but i'm really pleased with it because it's one of those things you know when you design something and you print it and it's a physical thing that actually works and does and solves the problem so yeah it's always nice yeah, I'm really pleased, and the fact that the quality of the print, I know I keep saying about this Prusa Minute, the, the Mini, about the quality, but it's its incredible. You, you wouldn't think it was 3D printed. You can barely see the layer lines. Um, right. And I did this in what they call the draft quality, which is, you know, the fastest quality with 0.20 layers. So I'm really pleased with it. So, yeah, so it's been, it's been a, a fruitful week. Nice. Always good. Yeah. Yeah, I... This week's been more frustrating for me because I feel like my schedule's just been really disrupted. Mm. So, like, I'm I'm on top of things, but not as on top of things as I could be, I guess. Because last week you were at a point where, right, I'm ahead of the game, and now we're we're we're, we're delivering within 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still kind of there, um, but like, you know, now I've got a couple of like custom uh, handle combos that I have to make. Mm. Um, and just it's been like finding time for that has been, yeah, you know. But uh, honestly, like things are going pretty well. I one of the problems I have is like when there's a new toy in the shop, like the lathe, <laughs> all I want to do is put all your attention there. Yeah, I just want to fix it, and you know, yeah. want to pat it, and I want to name it, and you know. <laughs> so, so uh, well, first of all, the name. Have you got a name yet? Lily. It's gonna be Lily, Lily the, the lathe. lathe. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice so so what is the the overall point what what's the end goal with the lathe have you, have you got a product in mind <coughs> that you'll be making oh, excuse or? me um yeah i mean the the little spindle that we've been talking about right yes yes sorry yes um yeah that's going to be one of the big ones um and then <laughs> one of the problems is you need a lathe to make a lathe so <laughs> i would really like to make a, a really like miniature and when i mean when i say miniature i mean like super miniature like you know, 12 inches by 12 inches kind of size. Um, like a little gang tool lathe for making, a CNC lathe for making my handle fasteners. Oh, okay, nice. So um, basically like Corby's, you'd make your own Corby's. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, nice. so like they have a couple of tiny little lathes, like the tag, tag lathes that you can convert to CNC, but they don't, they don't come with spindles that are really suitable for like running automated. Right. Um, yeah. So you want like a collet spindle, like a three C collet, with a what they call a, a like a pneumatic collet closer. So you can, the machine itself can actually tighten and loosen the collet. Right. Okay. So you're talking um, the sort of the size lathes that like pen makers use and jewelers make that. Yeah. Kind of exactly. Right. Okay. So like, because I I'm never gonna make you know even once I get into folders I'm never gonna make a part that's over like half an inch in diameter. Yeah. So. You know, for a while I had um, a hard inch uh, GT. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that, but I I bought this this lathe off the guy that um, moved all the stuff into my old in my last shop. He was like, "Oh, I've got a couple of these hard inch lathes," and I was like, "Which which ones are they?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a a GT, like so one of their um, precision gang tool lathes." And these things are like the 
Rolls Royce of gang tool plates. And I was like, right. how much do you want for it? And he's like, I don't know, three grand. Oh, fuck yeah, buddy. Bring it, bring it in. So, I mean, this thing was beautiful. Like it weighs, it weighed like almost twice as much as my milling machine. And it was smaller. Wow. Um, but it, it's maximum capacity was, uh, I think one and three eighths of an inch. So like 35 millimeters. So for such a big thing, what, what yeah. was the sort of the turning length on it? Well, uh, well, I mean on a machine like that, you would really only make parts that are, you know, two inches long or wow. less. Jeez. Um, but like that, that thing will just like hold, you know, a couple of microns. Over the course of a whole day, day yeah. in and day out, you know. So, but, but, you know, that's a pretty small lathe, relatively speaking. And it's still massive, massive overkill for what I need, you know. Mm. So I'd like to build, like, smaller than that doesn't really exist. There's a couple of lathes. I think there's one made by Ganesh. Um, which is like a, a little, it's really, I saw one at, um, at a machinery show. It's really, really cute. This thing's like, you know, three feet on a side, weighs a couple of thousand pounds, um, little, little CNC lathe, but even that's still overkill for what I need. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so see. stop. So stop a second. You've got, okay. Yes, sir. Sorry. Sir. You've got your, um, DLC coating machine, which you want to make. Yeah. You've got the, the CNC machine you, you want to make for your sandblasting. Yep. You now want to make a CNC lathe. Yeah. And you also want to make a sort of desktop VMC, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> do, do you think you need to just stop and maybe pick one? And <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm just... I, basically, what I try to do with these projects is I just... I push, you know, a couple of things forward at the same time, a little bit by a little bit. You know, yeah. so like when something grabs my attention, I'll... Pu- I'll push forward on it for a bit and then you know maybe switch gears um but yeah the biggest priorities are the dlc coding system and the sandblasting robot right um, <laughs> sandblasting robot but yeah like whatever man like that's honestly like that that's that's my best life you know like um the long-term dream is to have the the knife making business support my like research and development efforts yeah so i just get to like make fun machinery and then release it as open source and nice nice so in cnc news of the week um (laughs) harry and megan what do we think (laughs) you when you you wrote that in the podcast notes and i honestly i i don't even watch the news so i had to think for a minute really who are these people Pretty sure they're oh. British royalty, aren't they? They were. They were. That's the big news. They were. They were. Oh, they were. What, what did they do? They. They. Let's not go into that. They, they run away to Canada to begin with. I mean, what fools would do that? <laughs> um. Yeah. That's. That was just a joke. Just a joke. Um. CNC Fine. news. So this week, I've been watching, almost binge watching in the evenings, um, something called Flatpak Mansions on mm. Netflix, and it's a, it's a British show which was originally on Channel Four. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if you know of it, but yeah. basically they, they follow people who are making these like modular houses um, and they're generally all built with CNC machines sort of off-site. Right. Once they're completed, they'll bring them to the site and they'll put them up in like three days. It's it's crazy. Um, but what's really interesting is they, they, they make these sort of modular panels um, and – you'd imagine that, you know, a house made of modular panels is going to be pretty square and grid-like. Um, but some of these, they look like castles that have been there forever. They're, they're incredible. Right. Um, but but everything is done. So these panels, they're, they're pre-wired. They've even got the sockets, the outlets, you know, mm-hmm. wired, and they just snap these together in, in the things. They're, I mean, some of the floor panels are carpeted. Um, it's just incredible. And the, 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 each, each week, it's a different house with a different company who make it. And there's... there's Weirdly, a lot of them seem to be in Germany, uh, Germany and the Netherlands. Right. These companies, and you can sort of spec your house online. They'll they'll make it and they'll deliver it and put it up in a couple of days. It's just amazing. Um, but one of them was really cool because they were they were two um, students, um, university students. They were studying, um, I think it was architecture and design, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, 
And for one of their projects, they were like, well, we can't afford a house of our own, so we'll build our own house. So they managed to get enough money together to buy a little bit of land. And okay. what they did, they then bought a big, um, basically just a big flatbed CNC machine, which was like a big, like a big, you know, the big router style CNC right. they used for wood. And um, they they put that in a couple of shipping containers actually on the site. And they built their house sort of around them. It was amazing. And, this, and, the, and the, the actual container then stayed in the house and they used that as part of an office within the house, which was quite, was quite oh, incredible. But it was just amazing to see how everything was, the tolerances were incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just think, why would anybody now build with traditional sort of bricks and mortar um, where, you know, tolerances are, are, are pfft, there's no such thing really as a tolerance in these things, you know, right. probably by the foot, if anything. Um it's just incredible how fast it was and how they can have a full sort of render of their house um, before mm-hmm. they've even turned a machine on. You know, it was, yeah, I don't know, it's just really fascinating. And I think having, you know, such a, a CNC machine of that sort of size, the possibilities that opens, you know, it's like, like at the moment we're looking at kitchens for the new house. Imagine just, right. you know, just like, okay, well, we found the kitchen we want. Now then let's just, let's just press print and make it, you know, on site. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's just it was just really fascinating to watch, and I've probably binge watched probably nine of these this week. It's been okay, incredible. I'll have to check it out. Well, if you'd kept your three phase power, you could have uh, gotten a big <laughs> CNC router and done that exactly in the garden under a tent. Um, yeah, and that's did. how some of these were doing it as well. It, it was right. just incredible. And you you see these these panels um, on the back of a big sort of flatbed truck being delivered, and you can see like yeah like lamp fittings and, mm. <laughs> and the carpet on them. It's just incredible yeah, yeah i've def- seen a couple of like factory tours of, of places that build modular homes and mm. oh yeah like as you said like, i don't i don't after seeing that i don't really understand why you do it any other way because the labor saving like yeah. building a home is like i don't know what the exact percentage is but it's got to be at least 50 percent labor probably more like 70 i would have thought so yes yeah, a new home yeah. yeah yeah and and building them you know you know like a factory like that designed to just make those big panels makes hmm. it so much faster. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they were so... showing the people sort of designing, and they were literally just almost like answering questionnaires online, and then right. it's sort of coming up with a design for them. They're like, "Wow, we could actually have the light fitting over there," and they're just dragging it over, and and they said, "Okay, we sign off on that, off we go." And then you know, six weeks later, they arrive on site with your house, put it up. It's amazing, incredible. So I th- I think that happens a lot more in. I wouldn't say, you know, that sort of style, but that sort of timber-framed, panelled housing happens a lot more in sort of warmer climates as opposed to, you know, other places where they, where you couldn't. But, um, yeah, it was incredible. And that sort of got me down a bit of a rabbit hole then of, you know, um, houses that are built with sort of CNC technology. Mm. And then, you know, you you can see, you know, uh, 3D printers that are using, using you know, mortar and concrete. Yeah, the and big so concrete on. ones. Yeah, they're super cool, eh? Unbelievable. No more like 3D builders printing arses. weird houses, yeah. No more builders' asses leaning over, using the toilet and farting and promising <laughs> to be done next Friday when you know they won't. Just get the machines in, that's what I say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100%. Well, I mean, my girlfriend and I are looking at moving outside of the city at some point, and like, we'd really like to build a house because I, I kind of hate how most houses are made. You know, it's just like, stick frame construction with some like vinyl siding on it and you know, it they're just kind of bullshit designed to last for like 20 years you know mm. um i really want to build a house that'll like you know give a tank problems yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we're sort of going through that now with our new house so we, <laughs> we we've ripped out the whole of the bottom floor and exposed the beams mm. um, which which are basically the whole house is built on um, and they have rotten, so um, there's new beams going in. Um, and it, the, when you can see the hole of the floor just opened up like this, it's just a huge hole in the floor. Right. So, like, so we're speaking to the contractors and we're speaking to suppliers and so on. They're like, well, um, once the beams are down, you obviously need new flooring down and so on. They're like, well, you can go for, you know, a pine boards. And they're like, well, how long will they last? They're like, well, they'll outlast you, sort of, you know, probably 50, 60 years. Right. And I'm like, well, they're the cheapest option. That, you know, common sense would be just go with that. But, you know, yeah, like you said, you want something to last way beyond your own 
your own needs you yeah. know yeah. so like you know going up to oak then was you know so much more money and it, oh yeah it's just, well and in north america too it like some stuff so i Coming from Australia to North America, there's this big shock mm. where, like, all of the houses here have shingles. Yes. So, they're like, little, you know, asphalt squares. Mm. And every time the wind blows hard, they all fly off the roof, you know? <laughs> and then, like, even if nothing else goes wrong, you still have to replace them every 10 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which just blows my mind. Like, if for a whole bunch of reasons, those things would never, ever work in Australia. So, like, one of the big ways that bushfires burn down houses in Australia is that you get, um, like, embers carried on the wind mm. that will then land on your roof. And if your roof is made oh. from flammable asphalt, then oh, um, <laughs> your house is going to burn down from the top down, you know? Wow. So, do yeah. You, do you have um, grand designs over there, the TV show? I've Yeah, I've seen it. My mum likes it. Right, okay. So, it's I, I think it originated in Britain. It's, it's been going for sort of 20 years and then... It's it's quite I enjoy it and um, the host Kevin there he's you know he's seen all sorts of houses but um, I love the ones and it, we certainly don't get them over here in France the sort of modern ones and they use you know zinc uh, metal sheeting uh, for yes, their roofs yeah. and for their sides they look very sort of industrial that kind of thing yeah and that's um, super common in Australia like um, really yeah? corrugated iron roofs yeah are very very common mm. yeah and they last for ages they last for a really long time yeah, exactly I can imagine so yeah but um, I don't know. We've got this notion in our head of our, how a house should look, and um, right. people are still building that, those sort of traditional designs. Um, and idiots like me are taking on three hundred year old houses and trying to make them look as if they were still three hundred years old. But yeah, crazy bastard! You should just bulldoze it and start it. Start from. I back, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The probably be, would love probably that. Be yeah. cheaper. <laughs> probably would be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've had we've had engagement. We've had engagement ooh. from from the from the filthy public. So um, this is from um, Ataraxia Guitars. I think, yeah, I think. Ataraxia. Um, at, something. Like yeah, that. I think it's Ataraxia or something. Something like that. Anyway, his, his name is Leo Penderson. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and he says Aaron was um, asking about um, a CAD drape function, um, which you're talking about for your sheaths. Yeah. Um, so he said, I thought I'd share Rhino 3D's command. It's called Drape. Um, and he says, I'm enjoying the podcast very much. In one of the early episodes, Aaron mentioned a good source of relatively inexpensive ball screws too, but didn't reveal the actual source. So stop teasing us. Where do you get your ball screws? <laughs> it's a very personal question. <laughs> and he says, my name is Leo Penderson. Um, I'm on Bowen Island on the west coast of uh, BC, Canada. What's BC? Mm-hmm. British Columbia. British Columbia, Canada. Okay. I'm working on setting up an electric guitar production process using lots of CNC router and milling processes. Nice. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for a great podcast. So, yeah, first of all, have you heard of Drape? I have seen a very quick demo of it. I haven't tried it yet. I should. Um, it looked like it was only for, like, non-solid surfaces. So it would just be like a... Uh, anyway, I, I'm speaking out my ass here. I have to go and try it. <laughs> That, uh, he sent a link and I'll put that in the show notes if anybody else listening mm-hmm. is interested in that as well. Um but he also mentioned your you mentioned your ball screws, which yeah. I thought was very personal of him. Um yeah, where do you seriously. get them? Where do I get them? So I just put together a list of uh we'll put them in the show notes, but there's three places that I have bought stuff from recently and um so I mean to be clear, I haven't used these in a machine yet, so I can't like a thousand percent vouch for their quality, but just from like an initial inspection, they look really good. Mm. Um, so the ball screw came from a place called Service Quality After Sales Store. <laughs> That's got Alibaba written all over it. Yeah, yeah. So that was AliExpress, uh. and but that was eighty-five US dollars for a four hundred and fifty millimeter long ball screw, and it was a sixteen oh five ball screw. So that's uh, sixteen uh, millimeter diameter and five millimeter pitch. And that came with thrust bearings, um, an end bearing, and an integrated step amount for 85 bucks, which is okay. crazy. Um, for linear rails, there's another one called Sin Winin Store. <laughs> they all have the craziest <laughs> names. And then, yeah, it was like $90 US for uh, a pair of 25 millimeter linear rails, 500 millimeters long. And 25 millimeter rails are big. Really big. That that's like the size that goes in my VMC. They're mm. like 
beefy, beefy boys. You know, that's, so. that's nearly an inch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is an inch, Rick. Close enough. Point four well, millimeters away. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, for closed loop steppers, I uh, bought them from a company called Stepper Online. So their website is omc-stepperonline.com, and there it was ninety US dollars for a three newton meter closed loop stepper system. Um, yeah, so like, they all seem like really good sources. Um, so we'll put them in the show notes. But yeah, I, hopefully I'll actually be doing something with those parts soon. Cool. And also, if you want to know more about the differences between you know ball screws, linear rails, and all the rest of it, um, you made a video, didn't you? I think the week before last. Yes. Yeah. Which is up where you talk a bit more in detail about these. Yeah. So I, I was rebuilding um, one of the axes on my vertical machining center, and part of that is like you know talking about ball screws and how they work and and so on. So yeah, absolutely a good source if you want to learn more about them. Nice. What What's the idea with the with the YouTube channel? Is that is that literally just to share what you know? Do you enjoy the process? Um, do you have plans for the future? What's because I mean you you've got a lot of engagement on 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 your channel. You know it, mm-hmm. it's it's a successful channel. What what's what's the what's the end goal there? Good question. Hard question, Craig. Um, yeah. I mean, it's always really been about just kind of sharing what I'm doing, like what I have in process, what I'm working on, sharing knowledge. Um, I do get uh, most of my customers from YouTube, which is interesting. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm showing you know kind of things I'm working on, and then I also have kind of I guess the the culmination of the the pinnacle of what I do in that channel is my like process documentary. Yeah. Um. So that's like where I show how I make the knives that I sell to my customers. Um. And that tends to be the the thing that brings. A lot of my customers in is you know like seeing seeing the process um but yeah longer term like i'm gonna be so like i've I've already been filming segments for um some parts of the dlc coding system like that's gonna be a video um sharing how i like make some of the components that you know are really expensive if you buy them off the shelf that kind of thing so mm. yeah it's it's sharing knowledge um so on. Somebody, somebody at There's the door. somebody at the door. <laughs> this isn't a bit, by the way. No. If, if for the listeners, this isn't, this isn't a guest we've Thank got. You. I have no idea what that is. It can stay at the door. <laughs> Sorry, we can cut that bit out. Um, yes. So, long-term goal with the channel is honestly just to like share what I love doing and hopefully help spread knowledge and um, you know to engage people and show them how I make my knives. Hmm. I'd say, looking at my sort of browsing history, which it, most people don't need to be doing, looking at my browsing history, uh-huh. um, I'd say the majority of that is probably YouTube stuff now. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's like my go-to source of when I need to find how to do something rather than just Google it and, you know, read a text document. Um, I'm yes. generally now looking for videos, and it's, I'd say, maybe over the last two years that has happened, and it's now almost exclusively doing that. Most of my searches are via YouTube now. Um, yeah, I'm a lot of, I'm kind of the same on anything that's kind of a common thing that people might do. Mm. Uh, totally the same. And yeah, part of the thing that I want to do with my channel is to, you know, give back, you know, because like I learned knife making from a lot of different people, but, you know, all of those people gave their knowledge away freely. You know, mm. I, I want to do yeah. the same thing, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been on a YouTube kick the last week or so watching um, chemistry chemistry videos oh geez did you see the video that i sent a link to for you um um stuff made here yes yeah so you you sent me a link to um the uh like robotically controlled pool cue pool cue that yeah. makes you so, play pool better yeah yeah it's funny because you said the same thing to me actually it keeps popping up in in various feeds and so on and i've been seeing it for weeks and i've just never got around to watching it right and yeah it's 20 minutes of it's just done very, very well. Um, so this guy, Stuff Made Here is the channel. Um, he does sort of inc- incredibly sort of complex or sort of fun projects. Uh, but he explains things so, so well. And it, it's it's engaging. They're funny. Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the, the basis of this particular video was a... A, a pool cue, a pool stick um, that basically doesn't, doesn't miss... Um, it's incredible, and he's done one in the past with a with a basketball hoop where he'd pay people a yep. hundred dollars if they could miss, 
um, because it was, it was impossible. To, it would have been possible, but for the benefit of the video, you couldn't miss. Um, yeah, just really, really clever dude, and um, yeah, really enjoyed watching his stuff. Yeah, and it's like I have to give him a lot of credit too for the way the videos are structured because it's really hard to make a video on a technical topic that mm. isn't boring as shit. Yeah. And, yeah. and he does a very good job of that. And he managed to rope his wife into it and all these different Yeah, things. and she yeah, always looks super good. grumpy about being there, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. So if you imagine the... Have you seen the Mark Rober videos? Um, uh, one or two of them. I yeah, think, I mean, he's, he, he's very good at explaining sort of complex things but but generally for maybe for younger um right you know for, so kids can understand really complex stuff um so th this is similar but a lot more complex and you know for for people with uh adult brains i suppose right. really good so we i'll make sure i put that down in the notes as well um yeah stuff made here on youtube it, it's well worth a watch the other youtube channel i've been watching is um niall red i don't know if you've heard of him no no um so it's a chemistry channel but he basically does a lot of chemistry stuff that's that you really should never ever do at home like right. um, does cyanide really smell like almonds oh right okay i've I've, and, I've got it here actually yeah right. making laughing so, gas and doing these yeah yeah so like to work out whether cyanide really smells like almonds he has to smell cyanide oh geez <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing stuff like that right so yeah it's it's super interesting I actually, um, I learned a trick from him that I used in the shop the other day. I was cleaning the lathe. Were you making lathe. bromine? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was making bromine, using it to uh, clean the lathe. <laughs> no, I was, I was um, degreasing parts in my ultrasonic cleaner for the lathe. And then all the cleaning fluid was just like black and horrible. And oftentimes when he's filtering stuff, he just jams like a cotton ball in the bottom of a funnel and just filters mm. through that. Huh. I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try with some paper towel. You know, that's all I've got. It worked great. Oh, well. And then I had clean go. ultrasonic stuff that I could keep using rather than chucking it out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's I mean, I'm just, works. just looking at his channel now, and he's, he's getting like 13 million views and so on for, you know, for, yeah. for the video. That's crazy. Yeah, he's got like two and a half million subscribers for yeah. a chemistry channel, which is amazing. Wow. It's, it's incredible to see these people who are, you know, very good at what they do. Um, mm -hmm. But now seeing YouTube as a, as a career, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see. Amazing. So yeah. we just mentioned Mark Rober. He's actually doing a an engineering course online that people can sign up to. Oh, and and it, it's, it's one of those sort of open courses where everybody who's who signs up to the course, it's time sensitive. So you all sign up at the same time. Um, and once a week you all to get, get together online and you explain what you're trying to make and everybody sort of helps out and gives and gives you instruction as well and and mm, he'll make, you know, personal videos for you for your particular problem and that kind of thing. It's, it's a really sort of clever way of um, using, you know, the fame that he's got from YouTube to, to you know, to earn more money, I suppose. It's Yeah, it's very clever. Right. So it's that time of the week. Space news. Space news. Space news. <laughs> now, I did see what happened this week, and I yeah, I saw that you updated the document. I was like, "Wow, Craig's actually paying attention now." Yes, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was. So, for those of you that don't know, start I, like I didn't even know that this was going to happen. I just happened to catch it on YouTube just before it went live. Um, but yeah, SpaceX did another launch of Starship, their uh, prototype rocket, to try and send it up to 12 kilometers and then have it do the belly flop and then have it do a, a landing. And it actually landed. Sort of. Oh, it did land. It yeah, landed, no, but then it was no leaning a bit. It, landed. it was leaning a bit, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, so apparently one of the landing legs failed when it landed. And the landing legs are apparently just like temporary shitty, you know, man, maybe they'll work kind of things. Yeah. And they, yeah, they kind of worked. Um, but yeah, so it sat on the landing pad for like 10 minutes after landing and then it kind of slowly caught fire and then it gently exploded yeah so so yeah. The, the clip that i saw was um it was edited down because there wasn't this 10 minute gap um right. but on the uh, on the nasa site where they had the the hosts and they're talking through what happened and they're all very excited it landed and everybody's talking is very sort of congratulatory and everybody was really pumped about it and as the guy <laughs> is talking there's a screen in it behind him and you just see this huge explosion and he's like what the fuck it's very funny to see <sighs> yeah 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, these are prototype rockets. Mm. I, I actually, as I said last week, you know, with in regards to like the Perseverance rover, um, it's just a very different engineering philosophy. Like, um, ULA and NASA, they have this philosophy that like everything has to work perfectly the first time. Yeah, and so they engineer things to the nth degree and try to make it work perfectly the first time, and it, it doesn't. You know, but like they they still continue with that with that goal. Yeah. Whereas SpaceX has the the startup mantra: move fast and break things. Yes. You know? yeah. So, so there's less cost they, associated with each sort of failure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And they get to one of the other things that they do is um, kind of drawn from the software world, which is continuous integration. So every part of the rocket is integrated. You know, it's fitted together and tested together, and the engineers work with each other throughout the whole process apparently within spacex an engineer in any like people aren't really pigeonholed mm. if you're working on one part of the rocket and then you know a change to another part of the rocket would make your life easier or better or remove parts then elon like considers it your job to go off to the other part and fix it make it better yeah whereas in in within nasa and the traditional engineering companies it's very much like you are making this part yeah, every sort of siloed off with their <clears throat> responsibility for that one particular thing. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, and like that, that brings to a lot of, leads to a lot of problems. Like the, um, the SLS, the space launch system, um, from ULA is their like competitor with the Falcon rocket, hmm. but they haven't actually, um, put all the pieces together. You know, like the first time that all of the pieces are going to go together um is on the launch pad oh geez <laughs> you know so like it, it's just a very very different philosophy and i think that the the spacex philosophy is much more applicable to like how you and i make things how smaller companies make things it's a much more reasonable way of doing it yeah and it, it keeps the cost like way 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 down yeah. you know wow so yeah, you know, a couple of explosions are inevitable, though, right? Yeah, and and that that seems to be their attitude to it, doesn't it? It's like, well, yeah, you know, we you you mentioned this before. They half expect things to explode because they're testing something new, and if it doesn't explode, yep. they don't know what the limits are and these things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and they constantly do things that are risky, you know, which is very interesting. So they like recently with one of their um, landings. So they were doing a landing on their like automated drone ship that acts as like a landing pad. So they sent a rocket up, and this is not one of their prototype rockets. This is like an actual launch. Hmm. But they were doing what they call an envelope expansion landing. So, you know, NASA has very, very tight constraints for, like, how much wind there can be and what the temperature can be and so on for doing launches. Perfect conditions, yeah. Yeah, and SpaceX wants to push, you know, push the boundaries of that so that launches get scrubbed less often you know, launches get cancelled less often, so mm. that landings get cancelled less often. Because when they're doing a launch and a landing, the wind and everything has to be right both at the launch site and at the landing site, because they're landing their rocket. So they did what's called an envelope expansion, where they're basically like, well, it's too windy at the landing site, we might crash, but let's go for it anyway. Like, we need to find out what the limits are, you know? Wow. So, yeah, as I said, I just have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, that I think, you know, you talked about, you know, that's Elon's sort of mantra, I suppose. But that goes right through to sort of Tesla as well, doesn't it? You know, even with, you know, cars that are, yeah, I say in production, but cars that are actually out on the road, they're getting, mm-hmm. you know, software updates and, you know, and you can sign up to beta programs and things like that for 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 what is effectively a killing machine that can travel 150 miles an hour and, and kill somebody. But Yeah, and I'm not... I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that. Mm. I mean, it's not it's easy with the rockets because, you know, they evacuate the area and there's yeah. no one on board and they send them up and, you know, it's fine. But, yeah, for for cars on the road, like, uh, but different different solutions, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Right, I think that's a good time to call an end to the show. Um, we've, covered, yeah. we've covered, what, a bit of CNC and again, space again. And some space. Um, you need to do some research on Harry and Meghan for next week. <laughs> It shows where my priorities are, right? I've been watching YouTube videos on chemistry, but I have no idea what's what the mainstream news is. There's been no getting away from it for me. My wife is just like 
on Twitter have seen, constantly. Have you, just going, have you seen this? Have right. you seen what they've said about this? And I'm like, oh, jeez. Right. <sighs> That's very funny. One of those things. Um, Go buy yourself a power supply for that laser. Get back in business. That's what I'm going to do immediately. So, yeah, RS Components, definitely, I shall do that. Um, it's, it's I'm one... sure there are alternatives. That's the only one I know of in Europe. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those power supplies with, with the three outputs, you know, so it's 24 volts, Easy. 12 Easy. volts, and 5 volts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and hopefully I can get something a bit better than that. I said they haven't got much confidence in the one they're sending me because they said they're going to send two. So <laughs> it's obviously a problem that they've they've had before. Um, but, yeah. but I am just hoping that it hasn't done any other da- like unseen damage. Um, but what was quite funny, so when I took the, if you imagine the, the bottom of the laser, it's basically like almost like a PC case, you know, that right. those ATX cases. Um, take slide the lid off and cut my fingers as you always do with those things, and um, the big the big box, the Raycus box, which is Raycus, so they're sort of one of the sort of leading suppliers of fiber lasers, I suppose. Right. Um, it's it's got um Rakus, um designed and manufactured in Wuhan. <laughs> like oh geez. So not only is this nearly blown up my shop, this is now gonna give me some sort of virus that's gonna kill me and <laughs> yeah. Wuhan. Uh-huh. That's a show. That's a show. We all shall right. speak to you again next week. Thank you all for listening. Bye for now. Have a great week, everyone. Nice. That was nice and pacey then. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.